Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope that this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure that you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. For those of you down the back, we'll stay up here. Uh, it's my privilege to be uh, here. Yeah, it's been a while. And... Uh, it's great to be, uh, I've been out and about. I was in Wanganui last week. The week before that, I was in Auckland. The week before that, I was in Wellington. Then the week before that, I was in Auckland again. The week before that, I was in Auckland. So I'm just tracking back to basically uh, the beginning of the year for, if you like. But uh, the, the reason there have been reasons for that. I not only uh, am the senior leader of Annersbrook, I also lead a movement of churches called Christian Churches New Zealand, which Annersbrook is very much a part of. And um, it's been a privilege to be working and doing both. I, I get paid half-time here and half-time for the movement. So I, uh, I am shared around a lot. <laughs> and uh, it's so great being here this week. It was actually planned for me to be here this week, so it's got nothing to do with coronavirus or anything like that. I was actually uh, planned to be here. Graham, by the way, is in Wellington this morning, and he's with Alex and Hannah over there, and uh, we're again, they are also doing the series on value the vote. So, uh, he's preaching the message that he preached here last week. Who, who heard Graham's message last week? Yeah. Who thought it was pretty good? Yeah. I'll just do a count right now, just to let him know. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, but uh, I, I listened to it as well on podcast, and then I also listened to Simon's message, Simon Terrell pre- preached in the city. And so if you haven't heard that brilliant message, uh, be good for you to get on the podcast and, and see if you can track that down. Brilliant messages on valuing the vote and the Christian's perspective of the vote. And what, you know, it's estimated that 250,000 Christians didn't vote at the last election, which I think is shirking responsibility, to be honest. And I think that we have a responsibility, and that is to, uh, you know, to be a part of um, helping uh, bring, you know, this understanding or this dynamic into, you know, I, I know that church and politics kind of haven't mixed in the past. They, they don't kind of mix all that well. You know, I should have been wearing blue or should have been wearing re- I know, red. I noticed some of you are re- wearing red today. I noticed some of you are in blue, but I'm pretty sure it's not because of, uh, you know, of the party that you actually are voting for. And you've just decided that, that was a good thing to wear today. Right. Is that true? Oh, yeah, okay, good, good, good. Just clarify, getting clarification on that. Um, okay, so, so let's talk about the referendums this morning. Uh, one is the cannabis law going through, and the second one is the euthanasia uh, law going through. Okay, so we're being asked to vote on those two aspects in regards to um, whether we should pursue those as laws or not. So it's okay if we talk about that this morning. Uh, the reason why we're talking about it is because we just want to inform our people and we want to let people know what is, you know, the, the, I mean, man, I've done a lot of reading on this stuff, like, and I'm not an expert, to, so I've had to find some experts to help me with the decision-making around and even just getting my own thoughts around, well, what is this all about? What is the cannabis law all about and what is the euthanasia law all about? And I think we have to be very careful because if you're watching media at the moment, you'll find that there is an, a, a potential agenda 
Uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't really say whether it's an agenda or whether it's just, the, just what they, you know, are doing anyway. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that all media has an agenda. They're promoting something. Somebody's promoting something when it comes to media. And you'll find that a lot of the media in regards to the euthanasia and cannabis bills, uh, there seems to be a vote yes. Uh, a lot of vote yes, please vote yes. You'll have stories of people who, are, who have cancer and who are dying of cancer asking for the euthanasia bill to go through so that they can die with dignity. And, uh, and you have the cannabis law going, uh, the media promoting that cannabis law going through will help us be able to control it better. That's what they say. And so I thought, well, why don't we really look at that and really, you know, and so a lot of reading, a lot of inquiring. Let's have a look at some media for a start. Uh, I'm going back to the 1950s right now, and you'll see up on here one of, our, one of the ads that was just brilliant at the time. And it's a psychological, psychological fact, pleasure helps your disposition. And uh, you'll see there, there's a mum having a cigarette, uh, and she's pregnant. And uh, here's the thinking behind it. This is in the 1950s. Anybody remember those, those years? Okay, here's the thinking of behind it. This is the writings behind the making of this, uh, this ad. It's a fact that mums-to-be go through all sorts of mood swings. Just ask any poor dad-to-be. This is, now, this is a doctor. This is a doctor uh, saying this. The fluctuations of hormones make you moody and upset. That's only natural. And because it was a psychological fact that smoking helps your disposition... He continued, the doctor continued, everyday pleasures like smoking are so important. <laughs> so there we go. That's what we were uh, sucked into. <laughs> Get it? Sucked into? Oh, anyway. <clears throat> so for your pleasure, have a camel. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go to the next one. I know you're laughing now, but it was, no one was laughing then. They just totally believed it. Uh, second ad. So uh, smoke without fear. More doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. <laughs> uh, so it uh, goes on to say this, that, but again, behind this, this kind of ad, I asked my doctor straight out if I should quit smoking because they had done trace of that. When this ad came out, or just before this ad came out, they had put nicotine on the back of mice to see how... Uh, mice would react to the nicotine, and they all died of cancer. They all died of cancer. And so this mum goes to the doctor. She goes, uh, I asked my doctor uh, straight out if I should quit smoking. My doctor is a very thoughtful man. And after a little deliberation, he said, I think smoking does you more good than harm, and I wouldn't suggest that you quit. So even with the tests, after the tests had been done at that time, because, you know, they were just tests, hadn't been proven, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, what I'm saying with this and what I'm showing you here is, uh, is this idea you cannot use the media as your source of information. Right. <laughs> uh, because great marketing doesn't necessarily mean great product. In fact, a lot of the times it's a great marketing but really bad product. And so being a, we need to be aware of that. The advertising regarding legalizing cannabis is to help us have greater control over cannabis. That's, the, that's what the media are telling us. But is this really true? 
Now, I, I watched a, a debate between Nick Smith and uh, Chloe Schwabach or whatever her name is, and she was, uh, you know, they were both acknowledging cannabis is dangerous. They both acknowledged it, it was harmful. And, it, and they both acknowledged it's the primary thing that causes psychosis. And we need to have better control because prohibition isn't working. That's, that's what Chloe was saying. Nick uh, Smith was saying we, you know, he was um, against the uh, legalization. And she was saying, well, prohibition isn't working. Uh, well, you know what? When we think about prohibition, we think it's completely prohibited. But you'll find in our country, actually, it's not. There is no prohibition in regards to cannabis. Yes, it's illegal, but there's, the prohibition is, is not a reality. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, you will not go to jail for smoking a joint. You won't. Uh, and so it makes it completely different when the people start to co try and compare cannabis with the alcohol prohibition of days gone by. It's completely different, completely different to the uh, prohibition of alcohol in the 1920s. I mean, you weren't, you know, you couldn't drink the stuff. You weren't allowed, you, even if you drank it. Whereas, you know, the police will tell you. And by the way, I have had information from the police personally as well in regards to their thoughts around this whole thing as well. But here's some, uh, and I'll, I'll read that to you uh, very soon because I got an email uh, from one of our youth aid officers that's actually a part of our church. I, I just said to, it's Jude Yeoman, he, I said to him, I said, hey, give me a rundown on what the police is thinking about this whole cannabis law thing and uh, what you think as a youth aid officer. So he's given me a great email, which I'll finish off with at the end. But the police will tell you we don't arrest people for smoking cannabis. The police haven't done it for years. Those who go to jail are people who sell it and grow it. And under the new law, those outside of the regulated system, those people will still be going to jail. Putting users in jail um, is not the most helpful thing. For 20 years, we have treated it as a health issue. This is the police. For 20 years, we haven't necessarily treated it as a criminal thing, the user of it, but we have actually treated it as a health issue. So if you're caught with cannabis and you're brought before the courts, most judgments made are we won't put you in jail if you will actually get some help. Legalizing cannabis means there will now be no help until it is far too late. They won't seek help until their life has completely fallen apart. Legalization is commercialization. So what's happening is New Zealand is about to set up a whole new industry uh, that I believe, listening and reading so much, I don't believe we're ready for that. Like this legalization is moving too fast. We're moving too fast from criminalization to legalization to commercialization, and it's all happening in one, one easy step. <laughs> yeah, we need to stop the bus. Legalization is a new thing in other parts of the world. And New Zealand needs more time to see what actually happens. What are the results? What are the real results? And to note, the initial effects of legalization is not bringing about the results that they had hoped for. So those countries that have gone legal, that is not bringing about the results that they had hoped for. Legalizing marijuana to have better control is ridiculous. Cannabis is already under control. It's illegal. 
and making it legal is giving a kid a drug that he or she can grow uh, up to two plants per person or four per household and smoke it a maximum of 40 times, 40 joints a day. That's, that's what we're legalizing, that they can actually do this. And what I mean by kids is actually really, it's probably the parents that are given the ability to grow up because I think you've got to be over 18, right, to have a plant. Uh, but, you know, when I was a kid, my dad smoked. Uh, he, didn't do, he didn't smoke camel. He smoked Lucky Strike. And it was kind of like, you know, a bit of a taboo thing in those days, but, but he smoked. And so at five years old, you know, I, I always, you know, pride myself on this. I actually quit smoking when I was five. <laughs> but the reality was I had access to it. Because my dad smoked, I had access to it. And because I had access to it, I was caught smoking as a five-year-old. Maybe I've been six years old, maybe five or six. You know. uh, and my mum caught me in the toilet smoking, and she, she told me to smoke the whole packet. And I've got to be honest, I've never touched a cigarette since. So that was, that's, that's something of my own personal testimony. I've never smoked a joint. Never, I wouldn't even know how to get the stuff, to be honest. So that's why I had to do a lot of reading, because I've got no personal testimony in regards to the, the cannabis. <laughs> but, uh, we, um, but certainly cigarette smoking was really massive for me. I think I smoked it once. Could have got hooked on it, though. That's the problem. And that's the problem we've got right now, is that you can grow a couple of plants in your house, or up to four plants in your house, under this legalization, uh, which then gives access to, you know, to, to the children and, and you know, it's, it's the accessibility um, is probably not the best thing for our families and for our children and for our children's children. Now, doesn't it seem crazy as well that the banning, you know, we're banning smoking. We're going to be smoke-free by 2025, which is pretty awesome. But let's make cannabis available to all. That just doesn't make sense. Don't smoke tobacco because it causes cancer. Smoke cannabis instead because it's better for you. But it's not. It's already proven that it causes psychosis that can lead to all sorts of mental health issues, potentially resulting in suicide. And we already have one of the highest suicide rates in the world. It's kind of like, enough. We're aborting babies, we're smoking weed, which leads to bad mental health, and we're killing off old people. There is an evil assignment on your life and the lives of your children and your grandchildren, and we, we have got to vote in a way that's appropriate in regards to, you know, being a Christian. How should the Christian vote on this? Under legalization, the effects on people's mental health and well-being are shocking. And the, these, are, these are already stats that are coming out from those, like Colorado, Canada, uh, places like that, where it is now legal. Color, that those studies are showing a huge amount of teenagers are now using 
Reports of people have, having psychosis and anxiety attacks has become four times greater in those countries than, what, than before it was legal. Seven times greater is cannabis-related suicide. In Washington, helpline calls are up 300%, all from teenagers saying, I've just tried the cannabis, a cannabis product and I'm freaking out, I think I'm dying. That's, that's psychosis. The psychoactive part of the cannabis is called THC, which is what gives you the high. THC gives you, that's the part that gives you the high. Now in Woodstock, anyone remember Woodstock? <laughs> in the 60s, we're going back to the 60s. The level of, which was kind of like known as, you know, the drug zone. Uh, but in the 60s, the level of THC, which is that piece that gives you the high, uh, in the cannabis, it was it was 3%. In the 90s, the level increased to 10%. Now, the average street product is 30% THC. So from 3% to 30%. The government wants to regulate the THC down to 15%. Uh, the problem is most users won't like that because it's not hard enough, nor will it give me enough high out of that THC. Now you can get edible products with up to 80% THC, and this is the problem. In Colorado, you can buy a can of soda with cannabis in it. Recommended serving of this drink is one-tenth of the can. Well, who's gonna just drink one-tenth of the can? Most people will drink the whole can. That's 10 joints in one sitting. And, uh, and also, you know, cannabis users are, you know, are growing under legislation. The number of, number of uh, people smoking it is growing under legislation. So easily accessible. Uh, euthanasia, uh, let's, let's just briefly talk about that. The issue with euthanasia, from what I've read and from what I've heard, uh, even from our own local doctor uh, here involved in the church, Robert Stubbs, Euthanasia is completely open to abuse. The New Zealand Medical Association, this is a, a group with thousands of our doctors are under this umbrella called the New Zealand Medical Association. And they have put out a statement saying, we do not support the proposed end of life bill. We believe the bill itself has a number of serious shortcomings and technical flaws. These reflect the impossibility of drafting euthanasia and assisted suicide legislation. It does not define clearly those eligible. It does not ensure free choice. And it does not protect the vulnerable. That's, that's their quote. Nothing in this legislation guarantees the product, uh, protection required for vulnerable people, including the disabled, the elderly, the depressed or the anxious and those who feel themselves to be a burden or those who are under financial pressure. The international evidence backs up these concerns. Henry Marsh, who's a neurosurgeon, he said this, they argue that grannies will be made to commit suicide. Well, even if a few grannies get bullied into it, isn't that the price worth paying for for all the people who could die with dignity? So there we go. I 
I think that we have a responsibility as Christians to get the information. And if, you know, I'm, I'm giving you one side, I'd encourage you to find out, find out yourself, get the, get the information yourself, um, and work it out. You've, you've got complete access to everything. In fact, we've got these. I've ordered these because it's just absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's an article on the election, coming elections. It's got everything. In fact, in here, you'll see it's got all, all of who the MPs would vote for and vote against, particularly in regards to the abortion law. And then it's got... Um, you know, the whole, the whole thing on 20 reasons to vote no to cannabis and 20 reasons to vote no to euthanasia on there. So they're all available. Please uh, grab one uh, as you go out. I think they're all going to be at the next steps uh, table. That would be awesome. Okay, so uh, as I said, I thought uh, what I'd do is uh, ring or talk to Jude Yeoman, who is our youth aid officer in Nelson. And I, uh, I had a chat with him. He emailed back his thoughts. I was going to get him to share those thoughts this morning, but he's not able to be here today. But he does want to share at some stage. So I am able to, uh, he's given me permission to read this out to you. So from his perspective, this is a mixture of professional, personal, and theological thoughts. So he's even gone a little bit theological on us, which I think is pretty awesome. And he goes, he says this, uh, I suspect on balance, most police staff would broadly oppose the legalizing of cannabis. The main question is, is the best way of dealing with cannabis making it illegal, or sorry, legal, or as some suggest, should cannabis be dealt with as a health issue rather than a criminal issue? And from the point of view as a UD aid officer, there is no question that cannabis use is particularly harmful for youth and the developing brain, which current research tends to agree isn't fully developed until as late as the age of 25. Most professionals who work in social services and in particular in mental health will agree cannabis use is a major common denominator in depression, anxiety, and various assortments of mental health issues. I can cite numerous examples of high-functioning, intelligent people who have been seriously and adversely affected by just one use of a strong cannabis substance. For example, he's put in cannabis oil. For the immature and developing brain, the effects are particularly harmful. Inevitably, of course, the user seems not to recognize the impact in themselves. <laughs> Typical but everyone around them does recognize the effect. So in general, I think the majority of police would oppose it on grounds of its negative impact on mental health. The key question, of course, is whether that is best approached as a criminal or health issue. If it's to be approached as a health issue, how do we do that? Question mark, question mark. As with the recent, all right, this is interesting, it's not a question of the political left or right. The abortion legislation had reasonably wide support on both the political left and the right, although there was a stronger support on the political left. It was ironically the Pacific Island MPs who were most strongly opposed to it, and the majority of them are on the left. My boss, who is an avid atheist, made an interesting comment, and he said that legislation should be designed to protect the vulnerable. 
and the abortion legislation looked like it had been designed by the privileged middle class to permit freedom for those in privileged sectors of the community to do as they please. I suspect cannabis reform could be easily framed in the same way, designed by the privileged to permit free use by those privileged enough to possibly use it safely whilst neglecting the effects on the poor, the unemployed, the uneducated, and otherwise more vulnerable members of the community. That issue, I believe, dovetails with the broadly Christian position of the Gospels and the New Testament that as Christians, we are called to put the interests of others, in particular the vulnerable, ahead of our own. Personally, I don't think that is a question of left versus right, but actually sits above the political divide. Christians should advocate for what is Christian rather than what is left or right. Exactly how we interpret that into any particular action or a vote in a referendum is ultimately up to the individual to ascertain, but fundamentally as a Christian, the main basis for that, I believe, is putting the welfare of the vulnerable ahead of self. Who reckons that was a good email? Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 31. Yeah, Musos, come on out because we're finishing. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 31. If you mistreat the poor, you insult your creator. James chapter 1 verse 27. This is out of the message. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. From a Christian perspective, our personal rights must be considered alongside our responsibilities to others that reflect our love of God as indicated in the command to love both God and neighbor. That's Mark chapter 12. In the face of suffering, the Christian and humane response is to maximize care and compassion for those in most need. Killing, however, is not a part of the arsenal of care and compassion for the dying. Therefore, although suffering does exist, and although God does not destroy the forces which perpetuate suffering, the Christian experience of the risen Lord and the belief in God's supreme act of raising Jesus from the dead clearly show that God does not leave persons or people to remain in pain and misery, much less does He desire or inflict the suffering itself. Rather, God supports people in their suffering. Suffering may still evoke confusion and darkness, but a Christian understanding of, of suffering in the light of Jesus' resurrection will interpret it ultimately as an occasion in which one is not abandoned by God. Full stop. The end. Hopefully that has informed you um, in some way, shape or form to vote the best, with some of the best advice and some of the best knowledge you could probably get. You probably won't get that on TV. 
All right, so the Christian's responsibility is to prefer others other than self and therefore what is best for our country, what is best for the vulnerable, what is best. Okay. Okay. All right, we need to, we need to finish because we have another service coming up real quick. So let me pray and Jared, you can finish off. Father, you want to come on up? Father, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have to, uh, to really be responsible. And uh, I know that often we look at the, uh, the poor and the needy and we think about finances, but in actual fact, right now, we've got to think about our vote. Right now, we have a responsibility to think about our vote and on behalf of the poor and the needy and the vulnerable. And I pray, Lord, that we would, we would Lord, help us to have the incredible wisdom that's needed in the days ahead. Uh, we, we just pray and just believing, Father, just for a, a, a rising up, a raising up of a voice for the, uh, on, behalf of, on behalf of this country from the church, from your people, that we would know clearly what it is we're standing up for, what clearly what it is we're believing, we're believing about. And help us, Lord, to, to, to really receive that belief and that, that sense of knowing from yourself, God. Help us to be assured. Help us to have that boldness and that confidence that we can stand up and really be who we've been called to be. Stand up to say what we need to say. Stand up to tell what we need to tell. And most of all, God, I pray even this morning that, Lord, if there's any vulnerable here this morning, if there's any who are, who are in need this morning, I pray, Lord, that they'd know what it is to look to you, the answer to every problem, the solution to every, every question. I, I, I pray, Father, right now, that even in this moment, just very quickly, God, you'd move sovereignly. You'd free people from addiction. You'd set people, set people on a pathway that, that leads to freedom. I, I pray, Father, even right now in this moment, Lord, you'd bring healing with this sickness. Lord, that you would bring, you, you would set, Lord, uh, you'd give us a new set of eyes, not just to continue to look at the natural where we could live in fear and anxiety, but Lord, we'd have a new set of eyes that helps us to look towards heaven and to live the kingdom way with such, with such a courage. You know, in Joshua chapter one, God spoke to Joshua and so often, he, he, so many times through that chapter, as they were about to enter into the promises of God, he would say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. For I am the Lord, your God, and I am with you. He is with you. I pray that even this morning, with everything that's been talked about, may you know the God who is with you. He is with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website 